the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report, and we have a lot to cover today. The uh, Well, I just got to tell you, it's another example of the unbelievable power, the devastating power, the insanity of the narrative machine. I talked to you about it so much. Big tech, big media, and big government working together to try to shape what we what we hear, what we know, what we believe, what we do. It's unbelievable. It's devastating. The story I'm going to tell you, which is coming out, is just insane. It's totally insane. It's terrible. It's terrifying. Uh, and we'll cover all that in a minute. We will also get an update from uh, what I think is the number one issue, maybe outside of election integrity. Election integrity is a big deal. That's true. We've got to fight to keep these elections. And we'll talk with John Schlafly, who's got a piece up there, but we always wander into talking about elections with John. We'll talk with him tomorrow. Uh, but we'll t- talk today with te- uh, Todd Benzman about what I think is the number one issue. We're being inundated, if not invaded, by the illegal uh, aliens that are coming through our border. And Todd Benzman is getting more and more attention. He's got a new piece over at thefederalist.com. His usual blogging is at cis.org, the Center for Immigration Studies. We'll talk with him. And Ted Malik has a piece at American Greatness called The Great Divorce. And if you know Ted Malik, you know he writes on a lot of levels, and I think he, he was previewing to me off the air that his uh, piece is either satire or it's a proposal. You have to figure it out. It's very good. So we'll talk with him uh, in a moment also. So here's what I want to tell you. The power of the narrative machine. You recall uh, in the last week we've talked about the fact that the Department of Justice, Justice, that's big government, and Merrick Garland, that's big government, has put out a memo in response to a request from the School Board Association run by the teachers' unions. And the school board association asked that they put out that Merrick Garland do something to uh, scare and to uh, uh, push back on the parents who are attending school board meetings in greater and greater numbers and with pretty high voices at, 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 uh, at the least. They've got hot voices. They're mad. They're upset about things. They're upset about lots of stuff. But one of the examples that they have uh, talked about and said we must be careful, this is big government, Merrick Garland, we must be big careful, we must be careful, has been uh, an incident that happened in Loudoun County where a man went to the school board and got so angry that he was uh, not responsive to either the school board or a sheriff, and he was arrested. And the guy's a parent, he was arrested, and they, they said, look at this guy, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a tough-looking character, he looks kind of mean, he's kind of built, stacked, he's kind of strong, and he was arrested for not only for disorderly conduct, but a resisting arrest. So, this is the kind of thing to be out of control. Okay, so that's big government. That was covered breathlessly by all the big media, right? All the big media and big tech. And all, everyone said, oh, look at this. So we have now the narrative machine in full flow saying that, my goodness, there are people that are so, um, you know, they're so crazed. They, they, they're so crazed. They're like junior insurrectionists that were, you know, couldn't get to January 6th, another lie. And they couldn't get to that hoax. So that's another, so they, but then they got other, got to watch out, watch out. Big government, big tech and big media telling us that there's something wrong with the American people expressing themselves at school boards and citing as an example this man that was arrested. Well, comes now 
Uh, Luke Rosiak, who writes over the Daily Caller, happens to live not far from me in Northern Virginia. Very good guy. His wife is a lovely lady. They got a, a couple kids. Just a really super family. Luke's a neat guy. He's written a couple books. One's on my bookshelf in front of me right now. Super guy. And Luke uh, has a piece that ran on, I think, uh, Tuesday morning, maybe, and starting to get more attention. You'll see it all over the place. Where the man that was arrested in Loudoun County and was vilified as, uh, you know, out of control and nasty and all that, it turns out that his daughter was sexually assaulted in the Loudoun schools. And that when he was arrested and told to stop and yelling, and by the way, he seemed kind of angry that day, but if what has been talked about happened, which was many different counts of rape, many different types of rape on his daughter, if that comes out as true, um, we are at a different level. I mean, I, I don't know how he could, I, I, myself, I couldn't have gone to the meeting because I wouldn't have gone with, without, you know, without real, uh, I, I mean, I, I just wouldn't be able to control myself. He he was in control compared to that. But so he and Loudoun County was upset at one point in his testimony because he said there was assaults by boys who thought, who acted like girls to go into the girls' rooms. And they said no. They denied that. They said there had been no incidents. They were lying. And the student who did that, who is under investigation, Loudoun Sheriff's, the Loudoun Sheriff's admitted that. It's still ongoing. He was quietly transferred to another school where another child, a girl, has alleged that he sexually assaulted her. So we have a situation where for a month or two, we were told in America by the big tech and big media and then by big government working together that you have to worry about parents who come to school board meetings because they're so upset about the uh, curriculum and CRT and, and they're so unbalanced that there really could be violent. And here's an example of somebody that was arrested for disorderly conduct. It was on all the shows, Rachel Maddow, all those places. It turns out his daughter was a victim of, at this point, again, it's alleged, all the things are alleged, but the context of that is much different than some parent who objected to whether the SAT was administered on Saturdays or administered on Fridays or they had to, the AP test was done this way or there was, uh, you know, use of pronouns. He, we are now talking about serious criminal conduct against his daughter. And, and instead of unspooling this message and going out, what do they do? This is, the, this is the power of the narrative machine. They don't go back and correct the record. That never happens. So what happens is the narrative machine has played out and, and framed the truth that the American people know. Which is, oh my gosh, that there's people that go to school board meetings that are really violent. And, and, and here's the real trick on this. Watch this trick. If you're a normal person... And you hear this story, I, like me, I think I'm pretty normal on this. I actually think to myself, there could be violence at a school board. Because if that happened to my son and then I watched a school board member deny it or lie about it, I'm not sure what would happen. And so it sort of has just become a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Or I don't know if it's self-fulfilling, but a, a prophecy that will be fulfilled because of the factors that are put in place. And so if it's true, by the way, I don't have any reason to know why it would or wouldn't be true, but I don't know if that there are other if there are other schools where because of their policies, there have been assaults, there have been rapes. If that's true, then the chances of violence went, it goes up at a school board meeting because of people being upset. So it, it actually fits the narrative that they laid out perfectly and allows the narrative machine to keep going forward and say, well, we got to use big government. We got to use big government. And the only question in my mind now is whether the American people 
are able to see through the simple fact that, that stations like MSNBC and CNN, they, they just won't tell you this whole truth. Or if we're just all locked in to these silos and that you're just never going to get out of that. Because if that's the way it is, it is hard to picture. And we'll talk in a few minutes with Ted Malik, who advocates in this piece, The Great Divorce. It's hard to picture how people stay together. How do you stay in, 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 a, in a functioning republic when you have the, the, the strongest factors, the strongest um, uh, actors, not factors, the strongest actors in a, in a situation, big tech, big media, and big government, all basically lying to you? Not, a basic, not even basically, they're just lying to you, deceiving you, and conditioning you to believe something. It's, 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 it gives me a pit in my stomach. I get a pit in my stomach because I don't know what happens if that's what they're willing to do. We're not talking about adults. We're not talking about Trump's adult children who they treat terribly or or Trump or his wife. They, In some way, they pick this life. It's not necessarily appropriate what they're doing. But schoolgirls in Loudoun County and the parents, I, I mean, I, I don't know how to think that this goes on and works as a republic because th- th- there's th- there's not a lot that you can do uh, for long that would be worse than having this happen. And I, I, one more quick story. I was with a guy, um, I guess, uh, Tuesday morning. Yeah, Tuesday morning, uh, mid, mid-morning, midday, I guess, around lunchtime. And he was saying, his, his, uh, he was talking about this story. And he was saying his, his daughter's going to kindergarten next year. And he said, I, I don't know how I could send my daughter to kindergarten. And then he paused and he said, and we moved to this neighborhood in this county. Fairfax County, to be in a school system that we thought was going to be good. So the, the, the deal that a lot of people made expecting it would work is, is falling through in the midst of these other frustrations. So it is going to be something to see. It's quite a thing. Well, all right, we've got to take a break. When we come back, we will speak with uh, great Ted Malik and Todd Benzman, and we'll get a lot more, and we'll wrap things up. Also, uh, we have um, the uh, great John Schlafly tomorrow. We'll, we'll talk with him about all this, too. Do we take a break? We'll be right back. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the Daily Wink, what you need to know, and also you can get these great interviews and listen again. We'll be back in a moment. Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Talk to you later. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Now, I have to check in with my old friend Todd Benzman because suddenly he's all over the place. And I just want to make sure he doesn't forget who was there with him at the very beginning. So you go to Twitter. You can track him down. He's at Benzman Todd. His book, which is called America's Covert, Bo- excuse me, America's Covert Border War, which is now, I think it's again another bestseller. It popped up again. Because why? Because... Well, it tells you how the border war, how the border is a mess. And if you're not smart about it, you're going to be in big trouble. And so uh, and he's also now he's got a piece a few days ago over at the Federalist dot com. He's just grown up. Our Todd has just grown up. He used to be just the Center for Immigration (laughs) Studies, National Security, uh, National Security. Let me get it right. National Security. uh, What is it? Expert? I don't know. Fellow. Senior fellow. And Todd, how are you? Oh, doing well. Thanks for that introduction. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm just giving you grief. But everybody everybody yeah. comes on with us and then makes it big after they're done here. So I, I'm not surprised at all. But listen, Todd, the piece you wrote in thefederalist.com, and I'll put it up on social media, how to stop the entire world from marching across the U.S. border, seems to me 
you, you've done a lot of reporting. And I'm glad in this piece you said, hey, look, here's some things you could be doing. It feels like the conservatives, Americans, Republicans, if you, if you want to pick a party, should be saying, this is what we have to do. I mean, yell, build a wall at the rally on, on the Saturday night in Iowa. That's good, too. Tell us, I mean, first, are you getting frustrated that there's not, that there's obviously things that could be done and nobody's doing them? Well, honestly, I'm a little bit uh, used to it because yeah. I've been watching <laughs> I've been watching uh, this Biden administration for a year now uh, choose not to do the things that would stop this and instead choose the things that would only uh, increase and enhance and 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 further um, complicate things on the ground. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Democrats these days apparently want mass migration, uncontrolled mass migration, as long as it doesn't cause too much of a, an open eyesore for them, like that Del Rio camp down there. What I'm talking about in the Federalist is this gigantic bulge of people who are moving through the Darien Gap between Colombia and Panama on their way here, many of them Haitians, just like those ones in the Del Rio area. And the New York Times finally put that on its front page a week or so ago. And right. AP, AP has been doing, you know, I thought I was the only one who was ever doing any reporting about the Darien Gap. That's where terrorists come through and people who might be terrorists come through from all over the world. So, uh, I didn't think anybody ever wanted to write about that, but there it was. And mm-hmm. I wanted to just point out that Panama as a government is doing the actual smuggling of those people through there. They don't want them to stay on their territory, so they bus them north. The government buses right. thousands and thousands of these migrants north. And then Costa Rica does the same thing, rinse, wash, and repeat. Uh, I know this because I've been there on the ground and watched the buses fill up with them and had interviews with Panamanian and Costa Rican officials and, I, and, and the immigrants and everything. It's Everybody knows it. They call it controlled flow. It's an official policy of those governments. And if the goal is to shut that traffic down – then you have to, as a government, as a U.S. Uh, diplomatic matter, sh- force Colombia, Panama, and Costa Rica to stop doing that. Stop mm-hmm. doing that and replace it with something else, such as repatriation flights back to their home countries, detention. Those are bottleneck countries, so you can really sh- be effective at shutting those down. But nobody knows about it. Nobody talks about it. Nobody discusses it. The New York Times didn't report that those governments are doing it on purpose and they're allied governments. The AP didn't report it. Nobody's reporting that those governments are doing it on purpose and they kind of owe us, you know, do us a a solid here. You know, we don't want 70,000 of those people uh, crossing in and creating more Del Rio migrant camps. Even the Biden administration shouldn't want that. 
Right. Uh, we're talking with Todd, Todd Bensman, and Todd, of course, a uh, frequent guest. He is the uh, Texas-based Senior National Security Fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. CIS.org is where you can go. And uh, he's down there on the border a lot, reporting, writing all over. Uh, and um, um, Todd... Uh, this is going to be crazy, but I've done this to you before. We talk about we talk every few weeks or so. Is it worse today than it was a month ago, two months ago? But, but when I say that, yes, it was on the New York Times a week or so ago. But it's now fallen off the um, it's fallen off the national coverage uh, in my in what I feel. So is it worse on the border or still the same? And then am I right that the coverage has fallen off again? It seems to ebb and flow. The coverage ebbs and flows unrelated to whether the the crisis is worse or better. It's steady state. Ed. I mean, it's 200,000 a month, give or take. It might be more. It might be a little bit less. Uh, we are about to see the September numbers uh, issued. Uh, maybe they're even issued today. Right. I haven't seen it yet. But uh, those numbers uh, will reflect what happened in September. Uh, I'm told it's going to be another 200,000 plus, not including the uh, ones that got away, that got through. That's another 50,000. And it just stays at that steady state. The media and the administration seem perfectly fine with that as long as it doesn't become too visible, <laughs> you know, like the mm. Del Rio camp. And when it does become visible, yeah. they act decisively right. to end it because, you know, that's midterm election business right there. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I really do think that we are go- going to um, see those 70, 80,000 at our border pretty soon. The Mexicans are being told this time to shut it down at their border but they haven't been very successful at doing it with the 200,000 a month that are getting here. <laughs> so uh, I'm a little bit skeptical that the Mexicans are going to be able to stop it, which is why I argue that they need to stop it before Mexico. They need to have Colombia shut it down. They need to have Panama shut it down and Costa Rica instead of causing the problem for us. Um, Todd Benzman, um, what, that's what I was going to ask you. What's the timeline? It, what you describe in your piece over the Federalist.com, and, and now we're talking about the the, the Darien Gap, uh, that was one thing, but then these caravans. Is the timeline the next week or 10 days? And then the second part of this question is, again, you've reported on this a lot. You've listened to this issue a lot. You can pick up, I feel, a rhythm of uh, attention from the, uh, uh, from the grassroots that give attention not just to your book, but to your posts and to what you're doing, it feels like the grassroots in this country has rediscovered this issue and is saying, what the heck is happening here, at least on the center right side. So um, is is that true? I know I just put two separate questions together. Is that true? What I feel? Well, I, and then back to that question. Go ahead. I think so. Uh, listen, the Del Rio migrant camp was an incredibly visual story. I couldn't right. resist uh, fly, the media right. could not resist flying drones over that thing. And now they all have right. drones. So, um, you know, it was just one of those kind of stories. And you get down on the ground and there's cute babies and all the rest. Uh, most of the time, though, that same traffic is happening just out of sight. They're able to process mm. it in before it can pool up like that. And for a brief moment, we had a lot of attention on a lousy 15,000 people, which is just a regular lunch hour in Texas on any given day. I mean, we have hmm. 50,000 people a week 
hitting that border at least uh, every week, every month, for months and month, month after month. So uh, that there's no media coverage means that we're kind of like, oh, this is the new normal. <laughs> and it's it should never be the new normal that we have, you know, 1.7, 1.8 million people cross over that border in one year. That's insane. Mm-hmm. We nobody, no country does that. And to your other question, real quickly, uh, maybe I'm not even hitting your question right here, but but this could be shut down very quickly with repa- air repatriation flights back to their home countries. The Biden administration did that with the Del Rio camp. That's how they closed that camp down. They did mm. repatriation flights. That's Trump oh, stuff out of his playbook and they they did it they swallowed the bile and did it because they had to and And it worked and and your point your point yeah your point is besides getting them home you fly them home the message goes out uh that's not worth it because they're going to go to a lot of effort spend a lot of money and time and you're going to get sent back um Okay, Todd, I got to run. Now, listen, uh, covertborderwar.com, covertborderwar.com. If you click on that, you end up at Todd Benzman's website. You can see his book, which is called America's Covert Border War. You should have it on your bookshelf. You should read it and then have it on your bookshelf. uh, And you can get it there, uh, toddbenzman.com, at Benzman Todd on Twitter. He is, of course, the uh, with the Center for Immigration Studies. You can track him down, uh, cis.org, the National Security Fellow uh, there at CIS. Thanks, Todd, for the time. We'll talk again very soon i'm sure all right thank you all right we'll take a break everybody we'll come back it's ed martin here in a pro america report back in a moment welcome back welcome back ed martin here on a pro america report time to talk with our old friend ted malik ted malik of course has uh, written history books business books been a teacher businessman all kinds of things currently you can read his stuff relatively frequently. I'd like to see it more there, Ted, but over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. His recent piece has gotten a ton of attention. It's called The Great Divorce, Divided We Stand. And the subtitle is The Divorce Should Begin Immediately and Be Finished by 2024. All right, Ted, explain yourself here. What do you mean? It's time to break up America? Well, this uh, piece came to me and uh, has two frames of mind. It it could be read analytically as an argument for just that, for separating, not succeeding, but actually bringing about a managed amicable divorce between the red and blue states. On the other hand, it could be read as a satire, as a political satire. (laughs) Yeah, it seems so bad. Maybe we just need to realize how bad they are and get over this nonsense to get back with the great country of the United States of America. So take it either way. Well, and here's the thing. We're talking with Ted Malik. Knowing you and your, uh, how should I say, without sounding too much of a of a uh, suck up, but you know your sophistication. I think you probably could mean it the both ways. But there's a bunch of people, and maybe they're play acting. I'm thinking of like Jesse Kelly, who has a, a very popular radio show and is on Twitter. He's been saying for I don't know a couple of years that the values are too different. That you're never going to get along with some of these people, and therefore you should just figure out get to the places where you're okay. And then stay away. And on your piece, again, we're talking with Ted Malik. Is his title of it is called "The Great Divorce: Divided We Stand." There's a, a graphic of the map, 
And, you know, other than the blue on the coasts, Colorado, New Mexico in the center. Otherwise, it's red, red, red with only an exception or two. And, you know, can you really be happy? Um, Again, we're sort of same thing, half kidding. But can you really be happy in California or should you go to Texas? Well, that's the question it raises. Uh, Frankly, right now, there's not a lot of political support in the present regime or the present establishment for this way of thinking. But I would say on the left and on the right, so therefore across party lines, there is, uh, I'd say over the last few years, a state of thinking about this. Frank Buckley wrote a nice little book, conservative guy, um, legal scholar, George Mason University on uh, succession. There have been any number of books on the left saying the same thing. So it's not absurd to think this. So I took it as a premise um, now that we could, I mean, I have some experience, actually, in uh, separating countries from each other, and I talk about that facetiously, but uh, I said, you know, consider our own uh, state of affairs. Maybe it's time to divide, avoid a clash. I mean, it's a risk-reward scenario, upsides, downsides, but uh, like in real life, divorce sometimes outweighs all the cost. Uh, not succession in the civil war sense of the term. Manage separation, good outcome. It's not satisfying, let's be honest about it. I don't like this. Uh, But it may become a necessity. In economics, we call this the second-best option, uh, Ceratus Paribus, all things being equal. So, hey, let's talk about it. And then I got into the grainy detail, and, of course, that's what lit off all the cannons. Yeah. Uh, again, we're talking with uh, Ted Malik. Uh, Ted, to you again over this long span of your career, both as a as a, 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 a human person, as a man, but also in your writing on history and and the presidency and all. Uh, we all think it's worse now. Everybody thinks it's worse where where they sit. Is it worse now? What, what was the division uh, as profound in the '60s or after Civil War? What is it always worse now because we're here, or is it really worse? Well, of course, what you experience is what you know. Uh, there have been periods in American history, um, you know, the takeoff. I mean, the handoff between you know Jefferson and Adams was not exactly all that nice. Obviously, the period leading up to the Civil War was a little bit more than nasty. Uh, the period right after the Civil War was outright brutal. Uh, some people say the election of, uh, I think it was 1878, was you know even worse than uh, 2020. So, yeah, there have been periods in American history uh, that have been divided, that have been, um, you know, at each other. But, yeah, we're there now, and uh, yeah, we, 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 could, we could talk about this. What would it mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah what is it what is it of America what would they look like who would want to be Well and what So I actually in but, my scheme I say let each state have a referendum I, mean, I think states like uh, Virginia or uh, uh, Arizona and others they say hey we, we don't want that that's for the nutcases um, we're talking with Ted Malik again, and, and uh, his piece, which is great, and it's very thought-provoking uh, over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, is called uh, uh, The Great Divorce, Divided We Stand. Um, one last thing before we talk a little bit more about what it, what it might look like. is Did the division, uh, could the division have happened without the state of, the, the current state of the big big tech and big media just wanting to make us nuts? Yeah, well, that that's certainly a new feature in our reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're, we're not uh, where we were 100 years ago or more than 100 years ago. So, they, you know, they had, they had uh, what did you say, manufactured and 
uh, I guess the word is amplified those divisions. So they're, mm-hmm. they're pretty loud divisions, pretty obvious, right? And I thought a recent, yeah. recent poll, so this was a, you know, a Quinnipiac poll, which is, you know, basically a left-wing poll. They said 52% of Americans would go for the division of America right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that doesn't mean that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea. One of the, the things nature's one of the aspects of our constitution is protecting us against the, the some of the majorities that might do other crazy things. But but back for a second now to the idea. Um, would I mean again? It, it's happened, by the way. It's not like the Soviet Union was sitting around saying, "Oh, let's not have a Soviet Union." Suddenly, it had however many states. Right? It has happened. Uh, but your point is that some states. You think some states that seem left might stay in the United States? In other words, I guess Virginia. You mentioned Arizona. They, they seem like they're left leaning, but when push came to shove, they'd stay. Oh yeah, I think in a referendum when you put this question to them, it wasn't about a political candidacy or a question. It was, you know, it was basically do you want in or out? Uh, when you look at the map of the elections, actually by county, it shows you a very different picture than the one you see by states, which is also interesting. So you get this phenomenon where probably the five, uh, you know, easternmost counties in Oregon want no part of Oregon. They joined Idaho, you know, in a flash in a minute. Uh, so that's why I put into my proposal real or facetious, that, you know, you'd have to build in all these safeguards. And you could have one where cities, let's say St. Louis, well, I know that's your home, uh, suppose they didn't want to be part of the America as we know it. They wanted to be part of socialism. They could opt out and join some, uh, you know, blue state. Then I say over and above that, just on an individual level, because I'm such a fair person, if you're stuck in one state but you'd rather be in another (laughs) state, We'll give you a tax credit. You know, I don't know what it is. A couple thousand bucks, you can move states and be happy. Uh, now, um, I love the uh, facetiousness there in your voice. But um, now, what? How, how does this relate to the, what you're seeing in the European Union? Because the European Union was a sort of, well, is a sort of fake union over the top of nations, and mm-hmm. it's not, it's not really going that well. I mean, no matter what you think of it. Um, a bunch of the nations are second-class citizens to Germany and others, and then some of them just want out. You see Poland now saying, hey, you're not going to tell us what we do as to our laws, uh, EU, and the EU is saying, oh, yeah, we are, actually. We're going to do that to you and others, and we're going to do it the old-fashioned way by withholding all the funds that you need for all kinds of things you want to do. So it, it, how's the EU uh, 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 give us you're, a sense of what could happen? A lot, you're going to be a lot of trouble in Brussels at, with this point of view. You know, I got me made for something <laughs> on Grada. You just used the word fake union. That's strong language. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> on the team with Nigel and, and actually the British Conservatives party in power presently, they decided to put a referendum to the people. It was a very close vote. 246. Brexit won. So they had to, and it took longer than it should have, they had to leave the European Union. Are they better and happier for it? You bet they are. Are there other countries in the European Union that would feel the same? I can make a list of them. You mentioned Poland, others in the East. I would suggest Italy as well. So, yeah, it's a union coming apart at the seams. 
Does it um, does. So what really happens by 2024? Does any of this uh, I mean, what really happens? And, and maybe ask it a different way. Um, I, I'll tell you a quick story that which you'll recognize. And, and and that is this um, out in Loudoun County. Now, it appears that one of the men that was arrested for showing up at the school board, his daughter was raped in the school by a kid who claimed he was a boy who claimed he was a girl to get in the school locker room. Now, this is mm. these details are not all out there, but this is what I'm told. And um so he was pretty mad. And frankly, if I was him, I would have been pretty mad, madder and might have shown up at that school board, you know, with a gun or with worse than just yelling at somebody. And that kind of fulfills the prediction of Merrick Garland's memo that says, hey, watch out. People or parents are really out of control. Doesn't matter why, by the way, just. And my point here is, if you talk about are, are people going to talk about uh, disunion on the left as a way to cause the good features of America to be uh, diminished or strained. I mean, in other words, is this is this an, a crisis, uh, you know, that they like to gin up and therefore then you can do something with it? Yeah, so the way to call their card is to accept the terms and say, okay, you got it. Let's go. We'll, you know, have a commission. Right. We'll have a mediation. We'll divide. Uh, you know, you can have your country. We'll have ours. And here's the way it's going to work. We'll debate the terms, but... I mean, it's very much like a divorce. You get an arbitrator and you go through, uh, you know, a list of things, check them off. The assets can be split in half, you know, I mean, the debt can be split in half. I mean, these things are all doable. The stuff I suggested, you know, is not impossible. It sounds way outlandish, but it's all doable. I mean, in our own lifetimes, actually, you know, fairly recently, and I was an advisor to this country, Czech Republic separated from Slovakia, what used to be called Czech Slovakia. It was a very peaceful so-called Velvet Revolution, and, you know, they're both living happily now, ever after. So it can happen. Hmm. All right. Well, as either Ted Malik is making us really think about a serious proposal or in the fine tradition of a lot of writers and like he knows, it's great satire, too. Either way, it uh, made me think. So as always, thanks, Ted. Ted Malik, we'll have you back very soon. Uh, we appreciate you very much. Okay. Thanks, Ed. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. I'll put that piece up on social media. It'll make you smile and make you think at the same time. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. State legislatures all over the country are now getting a lot of pressure to adopt so-called pre-K or pre-kindergarten programs. The alleged purpose is to close the gap between kids from high-income and low-income households. But there is no evidence that pre-K can accomplish that. The liberals like to say that pre-K investments, that's the left's code word for taxes, save money later on in education. But every study shows that Head Start and all the early interventions do not achieve what they promise. They fade out at least by the third grade. The Department of Health and Human Services made its own Head Start impact study and concluded that Head Start has little to no effect on the participating children. The principal education goals of the George W. Bush administration were to raise U.S. scores and to close the gap between high-income and low-income students. But the only thing pre-K accomplished was to provide daycare services for single moms, the majority of whom voted for Obama. 
Head Start was based on the assumption that pre-K could compensate children for the disadvantage of being poor. It's time to face the fact that many children are poor mainly because they do not live in a nuclear family with their own father and mother. We should not invest any more taxpayer money in pie-in-the-sky projects that make adults feel sanctimonious but do no long-term good for the kids. The problem we should address is the decline in marriage. There is no substitute for the enormous advantage to children who grow up in a home with their own mother and father. A better formula for helping kids to achieve in school would be to stop giving out financial handouts that operate as incentives to women who have babies outside of marriage and then turn to Big Brother government for financial support. Pre-K is another anti-marriage incentive. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The liberal agenda is corrupting classrooms in colleges and schools across the country. If you're a parent, teacher, or administrator who really cares about our children, we promise to keep you informed at phyllisschlafly.com. And let us hear from you at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And um, I just want to say again, I appreciate very much all the great guests we have on the program. And uh, today having on uh, Ted Malik, he's just super. And uh, Todd Benzman, both of them. Ted Malik is a wonderful guy. He's got some health issues he's facing, so keep him in your prayers. I know I will be. And Todd Benzman is a man who lives on the edge, fighting the good fight down on the border. And so he's a spectacular guy. So thank you to those great guests. I hope you appreciate them very much. And tomorrow, John Schlafly will be back. He's got a good uh, column this week I saw posted over at townhall.com. All right, let's finish with something that I call presidential fever. And let me see if I can explain this well. I only have a few minutes. What happens when you run for president, and um, Andrew Yang just recently posted a lengthy article, uh, an op-ed at Politico.com describing how running for president made him insane. I'm only half kidding when I say that. He talks about how crazy the process is and how disorienting it is and how it doesn't make you healthy. And he just started a third party, by the way, which is not it's, it's a sign of insanity. Also, in American politics, they don't work. So you just are interested in being, uh, I don't know, a gadfly or something else. But here's what happens with um, presidential fever. If you get high enough in the success, if you succeed enough in the process, you don't actually have to be nominated. Think Rick Santorum, Newt Gingrich. Um, those guys didn't get nominated, but they succeeded enough that it changes your life. Huckabee. It just changes your life. And if you're well-adjusted, I think most of those guys, those three are, you can settle down, you have a better life, you make more money, you have more opportunities to speak, but you really never, uh, you never kind of get over having almost touched the sun, as they say. If you're a nominee, think Hillary, think um, John Kerry, think John McCain. Uh, Bob Dole was pretty normal. He's an exception, I think. He was, uh, but he was a nominee. He was a vice presidential nominee back in the '70s. So his whole life has always been sort of in the top echelon. Um, but you don't, you don't stay normal. 
you are not normal ever again because you have presidential fever. Uh, Mitt Romney's another example. He's just not a normal guy. Your, your conduct, you just are crazed because when presidential fever returns, like a malaria uh, burst, you know, when it comes back, it's debilitating, which gets us to the point that the word is, and I believe it, that Hillary Clinton, who believes she should have been president already and can't understand it, she wants to be president. She is talking about running for president because Joe Biden is making such a mess of it, and she wants to get in there, and she might run in 2024. And I guarantee you, if I was her, I'd be making the argument, Trump's going to run. I can beat him this time. I beat him last time. That's what she's saying. And it'll be okay. He can't say I'm old. I'm younger than him by a year or so. He can't say I'm uh, overexposed. He's overexposed. Blah, blah, blah. She's going to make a serious argument. She is going to be arguing. And ultimately, the Republic, a Democrat Party won't pick her. But that's because presidential fever, I'll talk about this more another time. I might make a bigger list and do some reading on this and see. But presidential fever, it, it gets in your brain and it never gets out. It's like, it's like uh, malaria. It's like dengue fever. It, it can go away for years on end, but it comes back and comes back hard and strong. And that's what's happened to Hillary. Amazing. All right. Thank you, as always, to the great, great producer, Noah Dingley, and to Joanna, our great uh, booker, who helps get these great guests. And thank you to li- thank you for listening. Visit ProAmericaReport.com to uh, sign up for the daily email and also uh, get all these different talks, uh, interviews, uh, listen to them again. I'm Ed Martin. I'll be back tomorrow. It's the ProAmerica Report. Talk to you then. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.